Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast at IdahoSports.com, your weekly breakdown of uh, the big stories going on in District 4, a.k.a. the Magic Valley in the state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we're joined today by... All rise. Scott Burton, uh, obviously celebrating Aaron Judge setting the new American League single season record for home runs. Again, you can see Scott's props uh, on the video version of this podcast, IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, audio only as well at IdahoSports.com and wherever you download your podcast. Now, Scott, I thought you were a Dodgers fan. Why are you all about Aaron Judge? Well, no, I, I am a Dodgers fan. But uh, it's funny because I've got a guy in, in California who's a, a friend of mine who's an artist. And so he has painted all these pictures that are in my, my office. And I knew that uh, he had a, a signed Aaron Judge personal painting that he did. And so when Judge was kind of making the run, um, I contacted him and jumped on that painting. And so what I showed you is what he's painted. Uh, and it's going to be hanging in my office, signed Aaron Judge. So it's yeah. So I mean, I mean, I'm I'm all about you know great performances and setting records and all that kind of stuff. And you know, the thing about that last night, it really kind of I don't know. It, I know I don't know the whole story, but when Judge hit that 60 second home run, not one Texas Ranger did anything to congratulate him. You know, no, nobody slapped a five. Nobody did anything as he rounded the bases. They just stayed away from him. Now, I don't know if that was by design or lack of sportsmanship. I have no idea, but that that was noticed. I will tell you, I've got Aaron Judge fatigue a little bit. Um, it's not like he set. It's not like he set the all-time single-season record. Like, do we ever celebrate any other American League records with this much pomp and circumstance? No. Um, and he's like, like, been like a Red Sox fan. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't matter if it was Aaron Judge or if it was, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from Toronto or whoever. Uh, to me, the constant cutaways, ESPN breaking in every Aaron Judge at bat. It's been that way for two and a half weeks. It was just a bit much, but that's my personal Again, you sound like a Red Sox fan. <laughs> I'm just bitter because they're in dead last. <laughs> Even well, see, I mean, if there's anybody that's the two – rivals to the Yankees in the American league, it's you. And in the national league, it's me. That's right. You know, so, but uh, yeah, at least it's over. And now we can focus on playoff baseball, which is starting, which I tell you, there is almost nothing better than major league playoff baseball. Yeah. I think with the Red Sox being absent from the playoffs, I think I'm going to kind of hop on the Seattle Mariners bandwagon. First time they've been in the playoffs since 2001. My yeah brother both of my brothers are big Mariners fans i've been to about 20 games in seattle in my life so i'm all aboard that mariners train yeah 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 it's all right let's go dodger blue <laughs> all right well you talked about postseason baseball uh we've got postseason golf here in the state of idaho uh state golf tournaments coming up this Friday and Saturday. The 5A competition will be in, in Rexburg, which doesn't really apply to, to us, but the 4A uh, state golf meet will be held in Idaho Falls. So that's going to be really exciting. But before we can get to state, we had to have districts first. And uh, the Great Basin Conference held their district golf tournament on Monday at the Rupert Country Club. Uh, no shockers here, Scott. Twin Falls boys and girls both win the team titles. Oh yeah, no question about it. Uh, you look at the boys' side of things, and 
and they they won that one by 35 shots. You know, on the girls' side, it was I think more like 3,500 shots, um, 68 shots on the girls' side. Uh, so yeah, Twin Falls, no surprise, dominated district golf, taking to both boys and girls teams to state. Uh, the second place teams, you know, and third place teams also get to go. Uh, the on the boys' side, second place was Jerome, third place Canyon Ridge. And then on the girls' side, uh, Minico was second and Canyon Ridge was third. And then, of course, District Golf also takes the top 10 as well. And most of the time, they finish on those teams. But every once in a while, you get one of those golfers that just doesn't have a team around them. Um, and they get to qualify individually, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that team race on the boys' side I thought was really compelling, Scott. Uh, you mentioned Jerome took second, 341. They aced out Canyon Ridge by a stroke. The Riverhawks shot 342, and then Minico took fourth at 345. So the Spartans realistically missed out on state by three strokes. Yeah, you know, and that's that's tough to see because when you think about it, you're like, oh gosh, if I'd have just made that putt or not chunk that chip, you know, or whatever. You start going back over your round. I mean, we do this as adults, and um, it's just a what if. You know, we just got I just got done playing a tournament in uh, Ocean Shores, Washington, over the weekend. And uh, after the first round, we were doing the same thing. Like, okay, what just made that putt? If we would have just done this. Well, when it's all said and done, it's funny how you play that game. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the individual champions both came from Twin Falls as well. Derek Leckerkirk uh, for the boys' side. He shot three under, 68. Wow. Um, and then on the girls' side, Ava Schroeder continues her phenomenal season. You know, I asked a couple of weeks ago, you know, is she playing golf and soccer? She is. I was able to find out. Ava Schroeder, uh, still a member of that Twin Falls girls' soccer team that are trying to defend their 4A title. And we'll talk about soccer in just a second. But she's doing the dual sports, Scott, and excelling in both. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's good to see because, you know, I did have some conversations, you know, over the course of the last couple of weeks about that as well, as particularly soccer. And, or not soccer, but golf being moved to fall, how do you handle that? And there were a lot of uh, coaches that did not like sharing their athletes and then were making them choose, you know? And, and I'm, I'm not about that, especially in a sport like golf that is more of something they're going to stay with forever the rest of their life. I mean, you know, you get to be my age and still out playing, you know? Um, but uh, it's good to see the Twins letting her do that because she is phenomenal at both. Yeah, really fun to watch. And now the question is, you know, where where does Twin Falls stack up in terms of team competition at the 4A meet? You know, Bishop Kelly is still the overwhelming statewide favorite in both boys and girls. Uh, Skyline girls also look pretty solid, but I, I think a top three finish for Twin Falls in, in both boys and girls is not out of the question. Oh, no question at all. I mean, I think it, it, it's it's the same old story. It's, it's Bishop Kelly Twin Falls in golf, you know. You're in and you're out. You may get a an outlier that just kind of gets in there once in a while, but it's Twin Falls and Bishop Kelly that own the golf world on both sides. Definitely. So uh, state uh, golf tournament this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday in Idaho Falls. We'll recap, you know, how the Magic Valley uh, teams and players did on next week's episode. We're also getting into the postseason, uh, Scott, with soccer. Uh, district soccer tournaments start. Uh, Thursday for uh, Great Basin Conference teams, and then they'll start on Saturday for the High Desert Conference. Uh, those are all the 3A schools. We show you the 3A brackets because they're not finalized yet. We still have a, a night of regular season competition. We're recording this on Wednesday, 
October 5th. They still have some matches they need to work out because it's a huge league, Scott. There's, you know, eight, nine teams uh, in, in the conference. And so um, we'll we'll be able to break down the bracket for 3A next week with you. But we, we can go ahead and show you what the Great Basin Conference is working with. We're, uh, you can find these district brackets on our website, idahosports.com. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can follow along there. If you're watching the video, I'm going to share my screen my computer screen and bring up the brackets. I, I would just tell you to make your video player full screen so you can see the brackets a little more clearly. Let's start on the girls' side because I feel like that's the more compelling bracket. So let me go ahead and get my screen up here and share it. Because when we look at this girls' district bracket for, for the Great Basin Conference, Canyon Ridge and Twin Falls are your one and two. And those two were very evenly matched throughout the season, the, the district rivals. In fact, they both went 10 and one and one in league play. Uh, so how did Canyon Ridge get the one seed? Well, they beat Twin Falls once and then they tied with the Bruins uh, in, in, in the rematch. So Canyon Ridge uh, won two nothing back on September 8th. And then they they drew, you know, just last Thursday, one to one. So that's a really clear cut top two. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you look at the girls' side, it's really Canyon Ridge and Twin, or Twin and Canyon Ridge, however you want to put one and two, with kind of a, a little bit of a distance between the third place team, which is Mountain Home. I mean, anybody can get hot. Um, you know, Mountain Home and Wood River would be the next two that would even challenge uh, if they played absolutely out of their minds but i really see this one going chalk uh as far as the bracket goes i mean you're gonna really have to play some really good soccer and get a few breaks if you're gonna knock off canyon ridge and twin this year now i will say scott when it comes to postseason soccer we we seem to be seem to see more upsets i feel like in soccer than in any other sport because all these matches that were draws in the regular season all of a sudden have to be decided by penalty kicks and, co and coaches hate going to penalty kicks because you can basically throw the records out, out the door. Penalty kicks can be won by any team on any given night. Yeah. You know, and once you get to that phase of the game, uh, it does change, you know, I mean, it's just not the, the regular overtime where, you know, you can control the field and, and which side the, the ball stays on. I mean, you know, who the dominant team is based on, you know, where the ball's at all the time, right? But gosh, once you get into those penalty kicks, the, the better team kind of tightens up just a little bit sometimes because now the playing field's a little bit more even. Definitely. So Canyon Ridge and Twin Falls get the buys on the girls' side. Your first-round matchups Thursday, Mountain Home, the three-seed, will host Burley, the six-seed. Wood River, the four-seed, will host Jerome, the five-seed. Two bids available to state to get that second bid. You really got to earn it. You got to go all the way through the back door on that loser side of the bracket. I'll tell you, Scott, a sleeper to keep an eye on, I think, is Wood River. They were the only team to defeat Canyon Ridge this year. They beat Canyon Ridge back on September 13th, 3-1. to one, And then they just played last night in the regular season finale, and Canyon Ridge only won that match one nothing. So Wood River, to me, is also kind of a sneaky team. No, I think, you're, I think you're right. I mean, there's something to be said about Wood River. They would be the ones that would, uh, on, on really both sides, boys and girls, and we'll talk boys here in just a second, but uh, Canyon Ridge would be the sleeper. They are capable of playing with either twin or or Jerome. And if you look at, you know, what they did, I mean, then we lost a twin one to nothing, you know, they've 
Uh, Canyon Ridge was, you know, three to one. So these games are really, really close. And all it takes is just something to bounce your way, to go your way. And what River might be staring at a completely different tournament. Definitely. All right. So you talked about that boys bracket. Let's go ahead and pull it up for you. Here's what the boys bracket looks like. Canyon Ridge, the one seed. Wood River, the two seed. They get the two buys. Your first round matchups. Mountain Home, the three seed, will host Twin Falls, six seed. Jerome, the four seed, will host Burley, the five seed. Uh, What stands out to me right away, Scott, is like uh, Twin Falls being the six seed is kind of shocking to me. I'm not not used to seeing Twin Falls ranked so low in, in something. They're usually so good in everything. Yeah, Twin has really struggled this year uh, in soccer on the boys' side. You know, but uh, a lot of that has to do with the, the dominance of Candy Ridge and Wood River. I mean, they have been really clear-cut one and twos. And you look at the point system that these two teams, you know, when you score in the district games, you get points for winning, points for ties, et cetera. And that helps place you in – the order of your district seating, right? Well, Canyon Ridge finished with 33 points, Wood River with 31. The next team was Mountain Home at 19. So, I mean, we talk about a, a separation between two and three on the girls' side. It's even bigger here on the boys' side. Uh, Canyon Ridge is really cruising this year in both boys' and girls' soccer, and especially on the boys' side. They are solid. Yeah. Let, let me ask you real quick about, you know, if I was going to identify a sleeper, you know, I think I would say Jerome, just based on past pedigree of the program, you know, they did play Canyon Ridge two weeks ago and only lost two nothing. You know, what, what do you see when you look at Jerome? And I know obviously you, you work at Jerome, but do they have it in them to maybe, you know, knock off somebody? Well, it's, they're young. They're really, really young, you know, and so they're young players are just going to have i don't know i mean they've got one heck of a good coach i'll tell you that and he's proven year in and year out he can get teams to rally at the right time um but their young players are going to have to step up and uh, kind of be able to handle that pressure that's going to be the question you know um moving from jv to varsity there's definitely a speed difference in the game and then if you don't get yourself used to that Uh, it's going to be tough. You know, Jerome started, you know, playing a lot of their upperclassmen, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't working out, you know? So somewhere along the lines, mid season, wherever started to make that shift to the younger players. And so they could, and if there is a sleeper, why not Jerome? Just because they have a tradition of winning. Definitely. I mean, they, they also lost to Wood River one nothing earlier this year as well. So I, yeah. again, you know, anything can happen. Uh, I'll give a plug, you know, on IdahoSports.com. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you can obviously look at each team's uh, schedule and, and results, right? I'm looking at Jerome Boyce soccer right now, and it's got all of their scores. Well, below that, we've got the roster, and we've got the rosters for just about every team around the state of Idaho. And when I look at Jerome's roster, I only see three seniors, Scott. So... It speaks to your uh, point earlier about kind of uh, rebuilding, right? A lot of younger players coming in, but um, I think Jerome, you know, sleeper this year, we'll see how they look in the future. This is a young team that has the chance to really develop. I feel like. Yeah, no question about it. You know, it's a, it's a rebuilding year or reloading year. And so really all you want your guys to do is stay competitive, you know, just stay competitive. It doesn't matter who you play. And if they can do that and they, they 
get a little confidence. They get a ball that bounces their way. They get a break here and there. And next thing you know, they're, they're competing for a district title or at least a shot at state. Definitely. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll, we'll kind of check back in next week and update where teams are at. And we, we could be talking about already, you know, teams that have qualified for state and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll have more soccer chat coming up next week. Let's turn the page now to football. The game of the week last week by far was this undefeated showdown between Castle Ford and Camas County at the smallest level, the one AD two, an eight man battle. I think Castle Ford was tired of us talking about the year of the musher, Scott, because Castle Ford comes out and, and ends up winning, you know, you're going to look at the final score and you're going to see that that Castle Ford won 26 to eight, but it was really, you know, they really dominated that game despite the the low score. Castle Ford's one of those teams that they are going to kind of hang their hat on defense, you know, um, their defense has kept them in every game this year. You look at what they've done. I mean, they've won, you know, 48 to nothing, 8 to nothing, 26, 14, 52 to 12, 26 to 8. I mean, that's eight men football. And they're not giving up a lot of points. And and you look at those scores and you're like, my goodness, that just, I mean, it looks like 11 man football because you're going to pitch a shutout. You're going to give up eight, you're going to give up 10. Eight man football is not like that. Eight man football is video game sometimes. And points are easy to come by because you don't have enough dudes on the field and the field's so big. But somehow, Castle Ford is getting it done with defense, you know, allowing 18 total points in five games. And when their defense when their defense is on the field, I mean, teams have scored more points on them off a of turnover special teams and an intentional safety that they gave up against Camus. You know, I mean, so their defense is legit. And so moving forward, Dietrich next week, we'll talk about that in a minute. You know, they're going to have to figure out a way to handle this castle Ford defense, which really is stout. Yeah. Defense. If, if you've got a defense in eight man football, that can, that can take you a long way for sure. You know, Ethan Roland was the was kind of the guy for castle Ford. They ended up, uh, you know, he ran for 164 yards and all four touchdowns. He's, he's a great wide receiver as well. You know, he's like six, three, 170, you know, guys with his size don't always show up in the eight man game. So Ethan Rowland is a guy that can prevent, uh, present some, some matchup nightmares, right? Well, yeah. And this is a, this is a team that has 12 kids on the roster. I mean, think about that. I mean, they've got 12 dudes. That's it. So, you know, it's funny because when I was talking, you know, to their head coach, um, coach Lowry, he was like, you know what? Our team has a chip on the shoulder just because we only have 12 guys. And, you know, when we get off the bus, there's more cheerleaders and football players. And he goes, our, our guys love it because, you know, those low numbers and being undersized just kind of makes them the, 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 the angry underdog sometimes. And they go in with that attitude and they bring it to practice week after week. So it's really interesting. Just, I mean, 12 guys just, just blows me away. And so obviously they've got to stay healthy. But, you know, you've got all those guys that are playing offense, defense, special teams. They have to be tough because they are going to have to overcome injury. They're going to have to overcome fatigue, um, you know, in order to pull this off. And so far through, you know, five games, they've done it. Yeah, Jamie Ramos has taken over at quarterback, has done a fantastic job. Um, Castle Ford, enrollment-wise, Scott, is actually a 1A D1 school. They compete in 1A D1 in volleyball and in basketball. They petitioned down 
to play at the 1A D2 level because of what you just brought up, only having 12 players. They were granted that. I'm not sure, you know, the way they're kind of running roughshod through everybody. They were a Final Four team last year. The next time the IHSA looks at their case, they may say, eh, you know what? You guys are too good. You're going to have to play D1. So that will be interesting to see how the numbers maybe change in subsequent years. I wanted to give one more shout out to uh, probably my favorite guy on, on the Castle Four team, Gabe Mahana. Uh, he's a running back, he's a wide receiver, but he wears the jersey number 77, Scott. That was the number that I wore in high school, and I wasn't doing the things that Gabe Mahana's doing. I was blocking on the line. Gabe Mahana's like, you know, finding his way into the end zone every week, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those kids that is a visual anomaly because you see him in the backfield. Like, whoa, dude, what? 77's got the ball. That is not right. There's something, you know, aesthetically wrong with that when you see it. Um, but uh, Gabe's one of those players that just does it all. Uh, they, you know, he's the anchor, one of the anchors of a solid linebacking core, you know, for Castleborn. And then you put that dude in the backfield. Uh, you know, he's he's not he's not a big guy, but he's a tough guy. You know, he's only five ten and a buck sixty, but uh, he's a he's a force to be reckoned with coming out of the backfield. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. So this is a castle four team that uh, I think you're right. A little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're maybe not getting the same acclaim as uh, like a, like a Camas County or a Dietrich within their own league. And then even statewide, you know, everyone's talking about Kendrick, this Kendrick, that, and I don't know the way castle Ford plays defense. I, I think they could match up very well with Kendrick. Of course we got to get there first. And so now we've got this showdown, Scott, where castle Ford and Dietrich are both five and zero overall. They're both two and zero in the conference. And wouldn't you know it, they're playing Friday night in Dietrich. This is going to be quite the battle. Yeah, this is going to be a really good test to see where Castle Ford is. You know, Dietrich year in and year out just reloads. You know, they're, they're always good. Um, Castle Ford has really kind of come onto the scene a little bit. But, uh, you know, starting off the way that they did and with the defense that they have, yeah, I mean, Castle Ford is going to have to deal with an offense in Dietrich like they have not seen. I mean, Dietrich, I mean, check this out. I mean, Dietrich in their five games have put up 70, 56, 68, 58, and 68 points. So we're going to see how good this Castleport defense is when they take on the powerhouse in Dietrich. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. And Dietrich's a little unusual in that, you know, a lot of eight-man teams ground and pound. Uh, Dietrich kind of spreads it out. They're not afraid to sling the ball around the yard. So, yeah, that Castle Ford defense will surely be tested. This game, Scott, will be on IdahoSports.com. Magic Valley game night, Friday night in Dietrich. Uh, Castle Ford against Dietrich. The Christiansons, Mike and Carter Christensen, will be on the call. So we are super excited to be able to bring this eight-man uh, battle to you on IdahoSports.com. Yep, absolutely. I'll be tuning in as as I'm bouncing around, uh, kind of following football down here in the Valley, but uh, that's one I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, that's going to be a fun matchup. And, uh, of course, uh, Dietrich still has to play Camas County as well, but th those three teams look like pretty solid bets to get the, uh, the three playoff spots that are available from District 4. The other big game I wanted to talk about last week, Scott, in terms of, you know, how it affects – the standings, it's kind of inconsequential. It was a non-conference battle. It was a 4A school against a 3A school. Jerome against Wood River. And this was a 
in years past, this would have been a conference game, but of course, Wood River petitioned to play down a level in football and were granted permission to do that. So they're 4A and everything except football, where they are a 3A program. This was a wild game on Friday night. Uh, Jerome had a 12-9 lead at halftime. Wood River outscores Jerome 10 to six in the third quarter to get the lead back 1918, kind of a funky score. Uh, and then 334 to play in the fourth quarter. Sawyer Graft throws a 28 yard touchdown pass to Gavin Hunter. So now Jerome's down 26 to 18, right? They're down eight points. Well, 43 seconds to go. Xander Bingham scores on a five yard run for Jerome. They're within two. They've got to go for the two-point conversion, Scott. And what happens? No bueno. <laughs> <laughs> no bueno is the best way you can say it. It just came up short. And, you know, for the, the boys of Jerome, that was kind of one of the most heartbreaking things because they just have really struggled this year. And, you know, and, and people look at Jerome football and they're like, well, gosh, what is going on in Jerome? Well, you know, we, we've had great years for a lot of years you know, contenders for the conference title, you know, a giant pedigree of success. Uh, this year's a little different, you know, just because we have a youth movement going on, we have a brand new offense that we're putting in and we have, we have lost our studs. We just don't have a whole lot of dudes. And, and if you don't have dudes, you don't get to do a whole lot, period. And so this has been one of those years that, uh, yeah, it's a little frustrating for people when they're used to seeing what they've seen all the time, but it's a transition and you got to be patient with it. But uh, for the guys at Jerome, um, yeah, that was a, that was a tough loss. And for Wood River, you know, talking to their head coach, it was just one of those things that uh, coach Carden said, this has been a good, good move for us. You know, um, we only have 38 kids in the program, you know, between their two teams and, uh, you know, going up against, if they would have stayed in the Great Basin, I mean, they're going up against teams that have, you know, 50, 65 kids on the varsity roster. And so seeing the same amount of kids down at 3A has been, you know, helpful to them. They've been a very competitive, even though they haven't, um, you know, won a whole lot. They've got two wins, one against Pfizer, which was a conference win. Uh, and then won the non-conference win against Jerome. They lost to Buell 38 to 14 in the other conference battle. Um, only lost to Canyon Ridge, undefeated Canyon Ridge, 17 to nothing. And so, I mean, they're, they're hanging in there. They have another conference game against Kimberly coming up this week, but they're getting some really good performances uh, from, you know, the couple of guys that you mentioned, starting with the quarterback, Sawyer Grift, uh, who really between a COVID year and a broken collarbone last year hasn't seen a whole lot of snaps and he's finally getting it together, you know, as their quarterback. And last week, two thirty-five through the air, a couple of touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. And you mentioned Shane Carden, the head coach uh, at Wood River. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a good young mind. He, he played quarterback at uh, ECU, East Carolina university division one program. And so, I mean, he knows the game of football. And like you said, it's just a matter of, can you get enough guys out to play. And, and we, I mean, tying into what we talked about earlier on the, on the podcast today, soccer, the soccer program at Wood River is so strong year in, year out that it does take away from football a little bit. And I suspect Jerome goes through this a little bit as well, where it's great to see the soccer teams excel, but at the same time, then that is hurting football a little bit, right? Well, it, it does. And, and Wood River is such a different animal. I mean, it's, it's so different than any other place because 
I mean, if you've never been to Wood River, go. <laughs> it's, it's different. And it's it's not a football town. I mean, it is not a football town. They are a completely different makeup of people. And the funny thing about it is, you know, they, they're in Blaine County. And so is Cary, the smaller school. And they could not be more different in their philosophies, in their belief system, in their makeup, in their uh, just everything about them. So Wood River's got this, they're really big into soccer. They're great at tennis. Um, they're, they're good at those kinds of things. Their volleyball team is solid this year, but they've never really been a football team. And, and so that hurts them a little bit. And then when you had, and we talked about this, I think uh, last year, the year before, whatever, that when COVID hit, it nearly decimated the entire Wood River football program. I mean, just almost wiped them off the map. Other schools, yeah, if they took a hit, they're going to have to rebuild. They're always going to have dudes there. Wood River, I mean, almost lost everything because they were shut down and they were one of the last ones to open. They were the last ones to play. They were the first to cancel. I mean, that's the way Wood River operates. You know, that's their, their people up there. And which is fine, but those kids nearly lost everything. And so, you know, talking to Coach Carden about all this, this group of boys that he has this year, they were the group that hung in there. They were the group that didn't quit. Because after that COVID year, they had a whole bunch of people just saying, you oh, know, screw this, I'm not coming out. This group here that uh, their coach has now, Carden's like, man, these are my dudes. They stayed with it. And so there's a little special bond there. Uh, with Wood River football and kind of what they've got right now. Yeah. And now when you look at the Sawtooth Central Idaho Conference, this is a league that gets three bids to the playoffs this year in, in 3A football. They get three automatic bids. We feel pretty good about Kimberly getting one. They're five and one, one and oh in conference. I feel pretty good about Buell getting one. They're five and one and two and oh in conference. By the way, shout out to Buell. They beat Gooding last Thursday for the first time since 2009. And, you know, we've been banging the drum for Buell a lot this year. I mean, just to see them continue to excel, that Buell Kimberly matchup uh, coming up is going to be fantastic. That will be next Friday. We'll have to definitely do a deep dive into that matchup next Friday. Um, but right now, that third playoff spot. Scott kind of looks like it's going to come down to Gooding and Wood River. I mean, the Wolverines have a very realistic chance of being in the playoffs for the first time in a, in a really long time. They've, they've got to get through Gooding. They've already defeated Filer, and now it's really going to come down to this battle between Gooding and Wood River again next Friday, October 14th. Next Friday is, the, is going to be the big night of matchups in, in 3A football, but they've got a real good chance to do it. They do. You know, when you look at this, you know, Wood River petitioned down for competitive equity. They just were not getting it done at 4A and, you know, obvious reasons. We all know that. But now they're finding themselves in a situation that's like, holy crap, we can make the playoffs here. Why not? And beat who you're supposed to beat. And don't worry about, you know, the maybe the, the Kimberleys uh, of the group because – they're legit. The Buells of the group, they're legit. You know, beat the Gooding, beat the Filer, sneak into that third spot. And the last game of the year, two weeks from now, is where it's going to be. It's going to be at Gooding, and that game could determine who gets that third spot. 
Yeah, it's it's a bit of a uh, ironic twist as well because in years past, District Four only got two teams automatically into the playoffs. But when Wood River was added and the league got a little bigger, the state said, "Okay, we'll give you a third playoff spot." And kind of looks like Wood River is in position to grab that ring, so to speak. So, um, well, yeah, nothing else, they're in charge of their own destiny. Right. So, you know, moving down to the final two weeks of the season, it's in their control. Yeah, and and again. Even if Wood River gets to the playoffs and has to go to a Weezer or a Homedale or something in the first round, you know what? Buell was in the same boat last year. They made the playoffs for the first time in a, in a long time. And um, yes, they lost in the first round, but that built a foundation and that got players excited and motivated. And look at what Buell's doing now. So that's really where it starts, right? You could see Wood River maybe on a similar path. No, absolutely. I mean, first step is to get there. You know, I think too many people get ahead of the horse and it's like we're gonna win the state title this year well you know what how about you win game one on your schedule you know and then you take it a step at a time a game at a time and for the wood river program to make the playoffs would be huge because of everything we just talked about not having the guys just about losing their program having that core group stick with it not being a football town all of those reasons if wood river can sneak in there it might kickstart something in that football program to get more guys out and just kind of make it exciting again. Definitely. So yeah, as we head into the final three weeks of the regular season, we're starting to peek ahead to the postseason. I'm going to encourage everybody that's uh, watching or listening to this podcast. I wrote a huge article yesterday, Scott, uh, bubble watch for all the football playoff teams, 5A all the way down to 1A, D2. I said, basically, if the season ended today, who would be in the playoffs? Where would they be seated? There were some really interesting, like, matchups and you know teams that were in and out and so uh i definitely encourage people to go check it out we'd be here for four hours talking about all of all of what was uh on there but um really some interesting stuff and uh basically i think there's going to be a lot of good football teams from the magic valley this year minico kimberly buell obviously we know the eight-man game runs through the magic valley i mean we could we could be talking about really good football teams really deep into november no i think we could i mean talk about eight-man football in the Magic Valley all the time. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be there in the end. They always are every single year. Um, we talk about maybe some 2A sleepers getting in there. Wendell had a great year. Um, you know, we talk about the 3As with Kimberly and, and Buell now, you know, being powerhouses in 3A, 4A. Minico is just rolling right now. So there is some good football at every level happening in the magic valley and it's going to be fun so hopefully we can get some deep dives into the in the playoff system uh in a few weeks when we're starting to get into the semifinals. we can have some good representation definitely uh yeah real quick uh, you mentioned minico they did have a, a huge win over canyon ridge last friday in that battle of unbeaten teams i had somebody joke with me nobody's ever going to want to be a guest on the podcast again scott we had coach pool on for canyon ridge and then uh, you know, they're on the short end of it, and uh, we're, we're the bad luck guys, I guess. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes you need a loss just to kind of get it together. You know, you can get that little false sense of security and that swagger that really doesn't have a whole lot behind it, and you get grounded real quickly. Okay, back to basics. Here we go. Uh, so many times, it, 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 and this goes back to where Minico lost um, in this early in the season, too, because all the expectations on Minico coming in were like, run the table, get everybody back. There's no reason why you're not going to be in a state title game or whatever. But they got kind of slapped around early on and lost a game. And that may have been the best thing for them at the time. 
because now they're a little bit more grounded because the teams that you really kind of worry about are the teams that, that cruise into the postseason undefeated. I mean, not only is the target on their back so huge, but a lot of times they had not overcome adversity to get there. And it, they often kind of tighten up in those, those close games. So a loss sometimes is the best thing for you. Definitely. And, and for Canyon Ridge, you know, I, I think they're still going to be just fine. They right. certainly look like a team that's destined for the playoffs this year, whether it's an auto bid or an at-large bid. They they kind of hold it all in front of them, right? They play Mountain Home this Friday, and then they finish with Twin Falls and Burley. Those will be the two teams they're kind of fighting with for, for playoff spots. So we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about down the home stretch in football. We'll update you on postseason soccer next week, state golf recap. It's all coming up next week on another edition of the Magic Valley Prepcast. For now, though, Scott, I think uh, we've uh, whetted everybody's appetite, and it's going to be a really good weekend of competition. Yeah, it is. This is the fun part. Everything's wrapping up. We can start talking about possible scenarios and then get into the postseason uh, where it's a ton of fun. All right. Well, uh, as always, Scott, thanks for hopping on and um, enjoy the competition this weekend, everybody. And we'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Magic Valley Prepcast on IdahoSports.com.